Hello again and welcome back to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. I'm your host, Roman Segal, and in today's episode, I'll be talking about the pharma and biotech supply chain with Vishnu Dwadarsi, who is a director of manufacturing at Asvata Therapeutics. What a fantastic guest I have for you today. Uh, I was really excited to uh, interview Vishnu and bring his experience uh, to your ears. He's one of those unique individuals that has spent significant amount of time in, of his career on the CDMO side and now finds him on finds himself on the buyer side for a, a speciality kind of biotech company that's developing a few products on its own platform. So really interesting kind of insights from someone that's been on kind of both sides of the fence. So some of the things to look out for today, um, you know, not only that CDMO experience, but he also had a stint in consulting before uh, coming to this kind of startup drug development company. And he shares his experience of seeing things from uh, different perspectives. For any of you that work for CDMOs, listen out for his views on what he's learned from working with and managing CDMOs all over the world. Really fascinating stuff. And um, some, I'm not going to call them controversial, but really, really interesting insights on why Vishnu thinks many CDMOs are kind of behind the eight ball uh, in terms of some of them having uh, really kind of slick uh, communications, external facing kind of uh, like, I suppose, outlook and then a chaotic operational setup inside. So hopefully that's not any of you guys. Um, you know, in addition to that, we get into a bit of detail that I hope will be really helpful for you in terms of thinking about putting yourself in the shoes of, you know, a scaling uh, biotech company that's scaling through the phases as a drug sponsor and how its outsourcing needs evolves as they reach new milestones. So listen out for that because I think that'll be uh, super interesting for where you are in terms of your service offerings for any of you on the vendor side. Uh, and finally, um, towards the back end, Vishnu talks about um, his frustrations from you know dealing with CDMOs and some of the good stuff as well. And one area that he thinks CDMOs need to invest in going forward. So that'll be super interesting for any of you guys to take back into your business. Uh, so who is Vishnu? Well, as I mentioned, he is currently the director of manufacturing at a biopharma startup a company called Ashvata Therapeutics, leading drug programs for preclinical, sorry, from preclinical to commercializations. He brings over a decade of experience in life sciences with a unique background in pharma operations, consulting and business development. He has developed extensive experience shepherding complex drug development programs from early clinical development to full scale commercial manufacturing and distribution. Along with his drug development experience, Vishnu has gained ex expertise in operations and implementing technology solutions for life science companies. He earned his MBA from Duke University and a BS in health sciences from Purdue University. Super smart guy, really, really likable chap and uh, lots of insights to bring to you today. So a few final things. Thank you. Yeah. That's you I'm talking to. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in, as always, to Molecule to Market. Please share this episode with people in your organization or your network generally. We're trying to get this into the ears of people across the industry, as we believe from the feedback that we get, it adds great value to people's careers and industries. Uh, thanks to my team 
for listening. Oh, sorry, for listening. Sorry, thanks to my team for helping me produce. I do hope they listen, but who knows? Uh, but thanks to my team for helping me uh, edit this and put it all together to bring to your ears. And beyond that, if you haven't picked up a copy of my book, The Floundering Founder, please do so. And beyond that, please enjoy today's episode. Hey, Vishnu, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, Robin. Very excited today. Um, thank you for the opportunity to be on the show today. I'm um, excited to talk about uh, the CDMO industry, my experience, and uh, now, now my time on the sponsor side now as well. Well, that, that's, I mean, you've almost uh, given our listener that kind of insight already of what I think will make you a terrific guest today because you have that really interesting experience of being on both sides uh, of the fence, both the CDMO side and now on the external kind of uh, manufacturing side as well. But before we get there, let's rewind the clock slightly. Tell our listener a little bit about yourself. Talk us through how you got in uh, to the industry and your journey to, to where you are today. I may stop and pause you at a certain point and ask some more questions, but give us the overview to kind of give our listener a feel. Yeah. Definitely. So we have to go back to 2007. Um, that is where I was my having my internship at Cardinal Health, the pharmaceutical technology and services division of Cardinal. And I was doing internship and I was, you know, 07, like I mentioned. And at that time, in 07, the Blackstone Group acquired this piece of Cardinal Health. And now we know that piece as Cadillac Pharma Solutions. And what's interesting kind of parallel here is Catalan is starting their journey in 2007 um, to eventually go to IPL in 2014. And Yama Vishnu started his journey in the farm level <laughs> at the same time. And I'm transforming, you know, from a career and personal standpoint. And Catalan is trying to become an independent company, setting stuff up, you know, setting things up on their own infrastructure, technology, operations perspective, bringing in new leadership and you know, eventually you know, their best and best CDMO and, you know, IPO. So it's been really interesting. Um, I started off in their gold program, which is global operations leadership development. And I was the first class that graduated from this program. And essentially it's a rocational program for fresh undergrads to, you know, experience different parts of the cabinet network, um, learn about operations, um, every eight, 10 months, you rotate to a different site or role and really get um, ingrained in the kind of culture, technology, we have to operate, understand the eye of quality. Uh, from there, I moved into project management, then into sales. Uh, so really got a great breadth of understanding it, kind of baseline understanding of the pharma industry, as well as uh, you know, how to operate a manufacturing plant. So it was really, really cool to start off my career uh, at Cadillac. When you kind of spent that time there presumably Catlin during that period that um I suppose it was seven or eight years that you were you were at Catlin that was quite an explosive growth period for the company wasn't it as it as it IPO I know it's obviously continued to grow drastically since then but what was it like being in the business when it was kind of starting that really really quick growth path it was really fascinating I think at the time I didn't really understand what was going on <laughs> right I mean they're making acquisitions they're trying to build a cabinet culture. They're trying to integrate sites, implement software platforms. And you know, young Vishnu is trying to understand, you know, what does it mean to have a batch record, right? What does this mean? What's going on? 
Um, and, you know, eventually with the training and the leadership that came in, uh, you know, I developed, I think, the cabinet and really developed as an organization, really understanding how to uh, service commercial clients as well as start focusing on development and building expertise in certain areas like soft gel, which they're well known for. Um, but, you know, it was very, very interesting to be you know, part of that journey. And since I was part of the gold program, I had some access to the executive leadership, which was you know, great to have that mentorship and coaching so young in my career. That's awesome. And talk us through where you went from Catalan and then what the next, because you did a few different things in the next, I think, five years or so, uh, three, maybe yeah, four or five years or so before you ended up where you are today at, at Ashford there. Yeah, so in like 2013, 2014, I was um, managing the New England sales territory for Catholic as well as in the Canada. So I was living in Boston, which, you know, talking about the explosiveness of Catholic. At the same time, you know, the Boston, Cambridge area was, you know, booming. Uh, a lot of big pharma was entering the space to having different you know, physical locations. Virtual companies are coming in, startups are happening. I'm selling, you know, cabinet services, which is great. I can just walk over and knock on doors on those because all these um, companies are clustered in Cambridge. Uh, and I was having probably one of the best times of my life and uh, doing well when Cadnet's brand was uh, growing and becoming more recognized to a point where, you know, you see billboards for CDMOs in Cambridge, right? Things are such <laughs> an interesting, interesting time. Um, but, you know, around... This around 2016, um, a recruiter hits me up on LinkedIn and is, hey, let's talk about a potential role uh, at Biodoro in sales. And, you know, for me, I've already drank the Catholic Kool-Aid. I'm, you know, living and breathing his company. And for me to leave was um, a big step for me. And uh, anyway, after a lot of thought, you know, and kind of, you know what, let me move to a smaller company by bureau, smaller CEO, um, they have like they have a larger discovery preclinical arm and now emerge Sandia and they're a much bigger uh, organization. But at the time, their um, like CDMO or manufacturing site was in San Diego as much, much smaller and focusing on early development, um, manufacturing maybe up to phase two. So the opportunity was to manage the East Coast sales territory and well, this is where I really learned about how do you build a brand? How do you get brand recognition in a small organization? How do you say, hey, you know, come to BioBureau instead of a Catamond or a Thermo or, you know, whoever, and, um, you know, take a chance on us and we can make sure that you'll take your product to the next phase and we have the expertise. So that was such a great experience at the time. Um, the CEO who I reported into was you know, very creative, a deal structure, how we can approach clients, how we can um, really build a territory. So that was really personal growth um, for me to how to really sell and get in front of, you know, CEOs for virtual companies and small mid-sized companies and um, kind of market or brand market myself. It's, uh, it's quite a contrast, isn't it, when you've probably worked at somewhere like uh, Catlin to then go to a, a smaller CDMO and it's quite similar to some of the the other guests that we've had on the past that have worked for a big organization and then ended up in a in a smaller one and realized it tends to be a bit 
more hands-on and a bit scrappier was that was that your experience that you kind of you kind of had to do a lot more things yourself which i suspect was probably a great learning curve as well from you know in addition obviously to your time at catalan yeah definitely we were a dynamic organization and yeah like all hands on deck for yeah for any type of new client and I think because of my experience at Cabinet, understanding operations and project management, you know, I can really go to clients and explain, hey, this is the process. Now, these are potential challenges you'll see, but we have an experienced team here that can walk you through it and, you know, can be hands-on and, you know, we're available at any time to, you know, help you through whatever need. So um, it was a yeah, super great experience. And to add a, not to mention is, at the same time, I started a uh, MBA program at Duke, um, at a cross-continent program called uh, from the Fugue School of Business. So along with uh, working in Bioduro, working long hours as also in school, having my own personal you know, development as well. So like another you know, great time for me just to kind of build like my skill set and tools as I you know, continue to down my path. That's awesome. And then you ended up in a consulting role, which I thought was quite interesting um, at West Monroe Partners before uh, moving on from that. So talk us through the next couple of roles that you had and, and why you decided to to move on from, I suppose, CDMO and, and then come back into CDFO was, <laughs> is what my observations were. Yeah. So after I graduated business school, at a crossroads, hey, what should I continue down the path and see above? Should I stay in sales? Is it a good time to pivot? And, uh, you know, move to West Monroe Partners, uh, their management consulting firm, really focused in technology and um, they're based in Chicago. And it was a hard decision because, you know, I'm moving into a new industry. You have to kind of relearn how to operate and execute work. So, after some thought, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's go into something very different. And this is the, the chapter in my career where I really polished my skill set, um, was able to present myself better, dress better, um, really understand um, the pain points in larger organizations and how to you know, build solutions um, and approaches to, to address that. And uh, because of the technology focus of the organization, uh, I did a lot of due diligence work for CDMOs and Pharma, just um, evaluating you know, the current processes and technology, um, implemented technologies like you know LINs, lab information management systems for labs, ERP uh, for supply chain, uh, and just like a lot of different implementation programs and projects that I led or co-led really just gave me better insight of operations and technology and an intersection, uh, which was very, very cool. I imagine the consulting side of things was just give you so much more exposure to, I suppose, a broader range of, of business issues and market issues to help companies with their kind of growth strategies. And But it was interesting to say that you decided to leave and go back into the CDMO space before obviously joining your current role. So talk us through that that kind of I suppose, penultimate role that you were in and, and what ultimately attracted you to the organization with that you're in today and, and more specifically, you know, what were, what was your thought process to kind of take all of that 
service and consulting and client orientated kind of experience that you've you've been you know acquired acquired over the last decade or so and then decide well actually i'm gonna go onto the serve onto the sponsor side and work for a, for a biotech company yeah so from west monroe partners we we're in the heart of covid in 2020 and i decided to move to the maryland area to head project management for a smaller cdmo called pii and big focus on oral solid manufacturing as well as sterile fill finish uh manufacturing as well and you know like even opportunity to lead teams get on an executive leadership team kind of understand how to become a leader uh, make change um create a culture and that was very interesting. Also, we're in the heart of COVID, so we're also dealing with you know, remote work. We're dealing with um, you know everyone not being able to see family and friends. Everyone is focused on work, so it was an interesting time on trying to focus on you know working on clients and executing for them to get to whatever next milestone, a clinical trial or a filing. But you know, in the space of Hey, you know, I've been in the CDL industry for a while. I've been on the consulting side. Be able to bring all that together uh, in this leadership position within PII, which was, you know, I, I think that's where I really kind of grew as the leader. And, you know, one day um, a friend reaches out and mentions that there's a startup company called Ospatha Therapeutics, you know, based in the Maryland, Baltimore area. And they're looking for a manufacturing leader, which, sparked my interest since I always thought about moving into the startup space. And, um, you know, I eventually take the job at Ashwatha as a director of manufacturing. And, you know, there you have a technology that's been spinning out from John Hopkins. It's called hydroxyl dendromer technology. And really it's allowing small molecule drugs to link to a dendromer, which is a synthetic macromolecule. And, helps deliver sustained effects for disease tissues. So essentially we can think about it as an analog to antibody drug conjugates where you have a dendromer, the synthetic macromolecule, we attach an payload or an active to address uh, a certain disease. And what we're seeing um, so far is that with the dendromer technology, um, there's the ability to cross tissue barrier, um, such as the blood retinal barrier and the blood brain barrier. So it's really interesting what we're seeing so far. Um, we have three programs in the clinic right now, um, you know, phase one, phase two, and you know, I'll talk about a couple of um, other beat programs in a moment, but it's really exciting with the technology and uh, you know, like you said, we're a 30 person company with a lot on our plate. So it's, you know, bring all the skills together now from the last 10 years to uh, execute on our clinical programs. Well, I have to say that's a, a really kind of courageous move uh, that you made. Um, obviously, going to the drug development sponsor side in a, in a startup. So, so good on you for, for kind of taking the risk and, and you know, searching for a new experience. So talk us through, you know, having been on the other side of the fence for a long time, presumably, especially your time at Boston, in Boston, almost pitching at and trying to work with companies like the one that you work with now. So 
would love you to talk about what assumptions that you had about what it was like to be on the customer side, which have turned out not to be true, or just indeed like some of the challenges that you face when you're on the kind of uh, was the, the client side of the fence in terms of of manufacturing, and and we'll get more into the I suppose vendor partnerships and how you go about selecting CDMOs and all that kind of stuff. But just curious before we get to that, just getting your take on kind of how have you found the first kind of six months or so and any kind of penny dropping moments of, oh God, I, can't, I never really thought about it like this. Yeah, before I jump into you know, answering what I've seen on the other side, I just want to highlight a couple of the programs that I'm working on. I feel it's uh, quite interesting here. So we have an ophthalmology program called D4517.2. It's a treatment for wet AMD, um, meaning wet age-related macular degeneration and treatment for DME, diabetic macular edema, which is essentially, you know, addressing inflammation in the eye. And like we mentioned before, we're using the hydroxyl dendromer technology. We have a dendromer that's connected to a small molecule. It's addressing these uh, disease types. Uh, the current therapy here to address AMB and uh, DME is given through injection in the eye, which obviously can't be comfortable. Um, so 4517 is going to allow like systemic administration. So there'll be an injection, but the injection can be in your thigh, for example. So it's, you know, super interesting, you know, like we're in phase two right now and work with multiple CDMOs and, uh, we'll talk about that in a second. And we have a second program, which is, um, something that's kind of new for me on the radio pharma site. It's called OP801. This focus on, it's on virology. And essentially it's an imaging agent or a radio tracer where, you know, we're like kind of selectively targeting neuroinflammation in the body, but it's, you know, can be seen through a PET scan or CT scan. And, you know, eventually we're going to be trying to, uh, we'll have indications like ALS and MS, um, Alzheimer's, which are, you know, in the infoneural space. You're listening to Molecule to Market where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. The podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. Talk us through what it's like just being on the inside of a business like this. And uh, as I mentioned before, any any challenges for companies like yours and things that you thought to be the case and are absolutely not the case. (laughs) Definitely. So because this technology is a bit complex, right, we have to worry about the dendro manufacturing, the uh, small molecule manufacturing, and then the conjugation as well. And then, you know, getting this into a, a vial so we can uh, dose patients. So we work with CDMOs all over the world and it's challenging. <laughs> You're working with folks in the US, Europe, uh, Asia, and, you know, on the CDMO side, you probably have a narrowest scope. You understand if you need to manufacture X and we need to get this done by a certain date. And, you know, you don't understand the big picture from the sponsor side, right? There are, you know, multiple steps that we have to complete to get um, sort of clinical trial or filing or maybe a milestone that we have with the board. So there's a lot of things happening on the sponsor side that you may not be aware of is one is one part of it. Um, you know, the other part is that we are a small virtual company, so we rely on the CDMO or CRO 
for everything. And in, we don't have that control. You know, when I was at, you know, PII, for example, running supply chain, yeah, I'm managing the manufacturing schedule, right? So I can move things around. I could optimize things. And we're sitting on the other side. We don't know exactly what's happening to CDMO. And we are, might be delayed or there might be some issues. And it can become very challenging. And we don't have that control. So you're just like, you know, relying on other companies to, you know, to support and drive your program to the next milestone. So it's been super interesting from that perspective, but a different kind of stress. I can imagine it, it's interesting what you said there. And I, and I jotted down that kind of that concept of CDMO is just not having an understanding of, of the bigger picture. And it, just so I kind of understand that, is that just because they obviously have a narrow focus in terms of sticking to that lane of, hey, you know, we have a batch or several batches we need to deliver by a specific date, but not probably understanding or not taking the time to understand some of the other, I suppose, milestones in the initiatives that are happening at your end that are causing you guys stress, which presumably the CDMO just doesn't have sight of all the other stuff going on. Yeah, I think there are a couple of layers here. Uh, the first layer is, yeah, you might have a narrow scope. Maybe you're only doing the testing on the product and you only know this, right? Hey, I did this testing done in four weeks and that could just be a scope challenge. The other layer here is, you know, maybe the VP or the CEO or the leadership team understands what's going on, but the analyst on the bench or the operator of the manufacturing floor may not, right? And I think, you know, cascading this information down all the way to, all the way down at all levels is what needs to happen. So every understands the big picture that, hey, we are supporting clients, you know, to help patients ultimately, but on that journey to do that, there are other milestones they have to hit. And, you know, there are small companies with limited budgets, resources, et cetera, and they really rely on us as a partner to get them there, right? And I think that is super, really important, especially, um, you know, if you're a young 22-year-old kid starting at a CDMO, hey, you need to understand the big picture and where you fall here so we can ultimately collaborate and, you know, bring innovative medications to people. It, and it's fascinating from my perspective because I think you, your organization is one of the organize, you know, it fits the mold of the type of organization that virtually every CRO and CDMO that I ever meet in life wants to work with. And yet reading between the lines and what you're saying is not all of them have that kind of holistic thinking when it comes to working with kind of clients. And talk us through then, how do you then, I mean, in, my observation on my thinking would be in one sense, you'd be a great client to have in another sense, you'd be a nightmare to have as a client because you know, you know how the sausage is made, right? From a, from a CDMO perspective, which is given your experience. So what, what is your sourcing process look like then, or, you know, I suppose linked closely to that, why have, you know, what, what have you been brought in to do specifically uh, within the organization? Cause presumably it's about your expertise in CDMO and being able to manage the supply chain. Uh, but love your kind of perspective on on both those things. You know, why have you been brought in and also your kind of process, if you like, for sourcing and selecting uh, partners? Definitely my yeah, focus is just managing CDMOs and the supply chain and you know, making sure that we have 
the, the clinical supply to support trials and the process and approach I'm taking, which, you know, putting my consulting hat on is, you know, really having a defined vendor selection process, right? And, um, you know, obviously we're always going to be quickly, speed is the gate, it far lot, but it's important to really sit down and understand, hey, these are the different areas that are critical to our organization and go through the proper um, process to select your CDMO or partner and look at your supply chain overall to make sure it's optimized and simple to manage. And, you know, for a vendor selection process, hey, look at different areas like quality, you know, capabilities, size of the organization, culture, right? Um, we're a small organization, so preference is to work with maybe a company closer to our size so they kind of understand, you know, what we're going through as well as be more hands-on. Um, I think these different areas are very important to evaluate and you know you should evaluate three to five cdmos and rate them and you know present to your leadership and make sure hey we're all aligned on this is going to be the approach this is going to be the supply chain and then once you get the blessing let's go and do it but um you know sometimes things can get really haphazard when um things are busy or you know we find out hey if we need more clinical supply we need to do something right quickly uh, but, you know, I think taking the time up front will really reduce the headaches uh, later in the development or manufacturing process. There's so many learnings in this for our, uh, I suppose, the listeners who are on the CDMO side and are, you know, working with clients or pitching at clients or working in commercial teams, you know, it just demonstrates, I suppose, a, a broader need to just spend that time up front to understand your clients, understand their pain points, understand their challenges in order to do a, a, a better a better job. And it's interesting kind of the selection process that you have gone through. And then the way you mentioned it is you then, if I understood correctly, Vishnu, you then have to present to your board and say, hey, these are the partners that I think we should use for these these reasons. Um, appreciate you've only been there a relatively short time. So, but, you know, in the time that you've been there, what's been you know has you know have you has it all worked out swimmingly well so far have you had challenges with some of the partners that that you've used obviously without naming names <laughs> oh yeah so you know i've been at oswatha now for about, about a year now and um you know we're growing quite quickly so we have a lot of new team members on the leadership side and you know in the organization as a whole and Yes, there's the challenges, right? <laughs> We've had CDMOs that we have in our supply chain that have been with us, you know, for years. And then we have people like myself that are really the one to, you know, optimize the supply chain or find vendors that we can scale with and, you know, get to a phase three or commercial scale. I, I want to add here, it's been interesting to see what's happened in the post-COVID world, right? Um, you know, Pre-COVID, Everyone's in the office, especially on the CDMO side. You know, everyone is hands-on in the lab or the manufacturing floor. And now people are 100% remote. Some are hybrid, some are this, some are that. So the communication has been interesting to see. Um, instead of going down the hall and getting an answer um, for, you know, a project manager or whoever the customer leaders on the CDMO side, you know, they may have to wait till morning if their boss is in Europe or... Um, 
you know, I think the information flow has been different and sometimes it's taking longer than expected. Uh, just a bit, you know, another challenge, but something interesting to see how things have shifted in a, in a post-COVID world. Even that's a fascinating insight to me that you've picked up on, uh, you know, I suppose the, the communication side of things and how the, the way that many of us work these days in hybrid and flexible working, although it's great as an individual, it can have downsides from a business delivery perspective when it comes to delivering for clients. So really fascinating kind of insight there. And you you mentioned, you said, a, you might not remember this, but when we first met a few weeks ago, Vishnu, you said an interesting you said an interesting phrase to me, which was that many CDMOs are behind the eight ball. And obviously you've talked about some of what I think that means today, but talk to me about what that means to you that some of them are behind the eight ball. So this might be a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was after. That's what I was after. So, you know, what we're seeing in today's world for CDMOs, they market themselves as customer service oriented or customer first or whatever the branding tagline is now. Yeah, you, 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 can't, you never trust companies that help with that, which is, uh, <laughs> I, I obviously don't have any businesses like that. So. <laughs> Sorry, and, continue. Yeah, it's like, what does that mean, right? I, I mean, the surface is that media more project managers, you're more transparent, um, you're available. What does that actually, I don't know, you have, you know, do you collaborate together and you know, solve problems for your clients. That all sounds great. I, but how, actually, how do we do that? Right. I can't just say do in my perspective, right? Underlying here is you need to have a smooth operation that's not chaotic to give the bandwidth for your leaders and people to actually give the right customer service or find the right solution to be innovative for your client. And if you have your project managers or VPs and directors, focusing on keeping the wheels on the car for all day, you're not going to have time to, you know, support and give the service the whole you need. And it's you no know, passion for me, you know, operations and technology, because if a company can implement the right processes and technology that gives the capacity and bandwidth for your you know, leaders to be strategic, your managers to be more tactical and, you know, we power your analyst level to to learn, have time to implement new processes, help the client. There's all you can do in the organization. But if you're just, you know, finding fires all all day, stressed out about what the next call is going to be about, you know, it's it's going to be difficult to be successful. I think that's a it's a brilliant observation that you've that you've made, Vishnu. And you know, joking aside about you know marketing generally, I mean, one of the things I've always advised on and blogged about i think it's even in my book is talking about marketing and, and explaining that actually the way you deliver your service and product is ultimately the greatest marketing you can do it doesn't matter how fancy your marketing is in terms of your brand communications your website and how fancy your social media is and how you onboard clients and all that kind of stuff ultimately if you are delivering a terrible service to your clients, you have you know, low retention of clients. You then have a bad reputation because people talk, and it's a bit of a downward spiral. Whereas if if you actually nail your ability to deliver for clients, then the exact opposite happens, which is all people talk about it, and you get referrals and recommendations. But you know, it's it's, it's interesting to hear some of the experience that you've had being on 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 that side of the fence. So thank you for 
for, for sharing that. And as an organization, and, you know, obviously now having had the, I suppose the benefit of being on both, both sides uh, of, of the fence, so to speak, what is it, what does the day-to-day look like for an organization like yours when, you know, you're reading the headlines of, uh, you know, a slowdown in, in the funding in the market for, for new drug development companies? Does that, does that concern you or businesses like you, or is it, is it kind of business as usual to an extent? Yeah, I think there is definitely a level of, all right, the money flow is changed, right? And I think investors are being more methodical as well in um, investing in biotech or pharma startup companies. So it really means that we have to execute, right? And make sure that we are um, delivering for patients, but also that, you know, we're getting the right data to move on to phase two, phase three or whatever. And that needs a timeline that really needs collaborating with your partners like the CDMOs and CROs to, you know, get to the finish line for, you know, whatever milestone you have to hit. So it's, you know, a little bit more stressful, right? It's not just, hey, you know, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll keep funding you, <laughs> right? It's more like, hey, you need to get to this point and then we'll, you know, evaluate where you are and then we can move forward to the next phase here. So, you know, in the CDMOs are basically the critical, you know, part of the equation here. And it's very important to make sure that you collaborate, you're being transparent, trying to give them the big picture of what you're doing, uh, where things are going. And hey, if you can, you know, give them some slack on program one, and then, but maybe you have to put some pressure on program two, let them know that so they can kind of understand how to operate and manage their resources. It's almost echoes a conversation I had, I think it was last year, uh, with a, a biotech CEO and he said to me exactly the same words you actually that CDMO partners are absolutely critical because missing a, a manufacturing slot or a deadline to deliver to clinic could be catastrophic for a business because if we don't hit our deadlines, we miss funding cycles and, and the funding dries up and we can very easily go out of business. So it just... I suppose underlies the the how essential outsourcing is across the board, right? Whether it be CROs, CDMO, packaging, testing companies, in actually helping deliver for clients to help them, you know, reach their milestones and and get that funding to kind of move them on. So, uh, yeah, really interesting to hear you obviously mention that as well. And as we look forward in the future, um, in fact, actually, before I'm going to ask this question, I'm just going to rewind back to something that you said. So. Um, if I've, uh, if I heard you right, you are one of your kind of um, programs is a phase two program or going into phase two now. So I'm just interested to know how how companies then think about sourcing when, say, you've got a bunch of CDMOs that you have used for uh, you know early phase, you know, you know, um, manufacturing for you know first in human, and then maybe you know phase two. But as you scale up and the uh, I suppose the requirements and the manufacturing requirements evolve as you scale up. How do you guys then think about those CDMO partners? Because you mentioned before that you know you like working with smaller organizations, but let's say you end up running a phase three trial, do would you envisage that same CDMO going on that journey with you, or is that a switch situation? Just because we've heard that from the CDMO side of things, so interesting to get your take as you scale up as a client, how you think about 
evolving your kind of procurement strategy with with vendors? This is a great question that we're trying to address right now. Um, yeah, there are CDMOs that you know are speaking to that you know we focus on phase one, phase two, and you know would like to potentially grow with us. And they talk about their expansion plans and their um, areas where they want to uh, expand into you know supporting phase three trials. Um, and then we also have to evaluate you know bigger companies that have this capability in scale. Uh, I think it really goes back to that you know vendor selection piece. Re- really spend time with your teams cross functionally, kind of understand what is critical and evaluate based on that. And you'll get into the right answer or the right CDMO if you really kind of sit there, talk about it, even visit the sites, right? Understand what the capabilities are, you know, firsthand, meet with the team because you know you're going to be working with this team closely for the next whatever two, three, four years. You know, you need to make sure that you have the, you know, working relationship that you're comfortable with, right? So, I, I, and I know I'm not giving like a direct answer, but I think there's just a lot, lot to it. And, um, you know, if there's a smaller CDMO and you really trust the team and the leadership to grow with you, yeah, that's that's a layup, right? But um, it's not always the case. So I think it's you know we're in a people business, right? And you need to make sure that you you know, trust them, understand their expertise, and um, we want to go on this journey together. Yeah. And it wasn't meant to catch you out because actually in my experience, I have seen three things happen. One, where a client has trusted the smaller CDMO and actually that that product, it was a biotech, a big biopharma company actually launched commercially was a huge success. And the CDMO grew from a relatively small US CDMO into an absolute global kind of powerhouse. And then I've seen a similar thing where a, 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 a sponsor client had picked a small CDMO for a similar reason. And then that CDMO had a quality issue uh, at its at its main facility and it it was catastrophic for for the, the biotech company actually because they couldn't get supply of product and switch it and tech transfer out quick enough, which is, you know, the worst case scenario. Or what I've actually heard from CDMO, smaller CDMO owners is actually some clients, you you might find yourself in this situation, which is, you know what, we're just going to go with, a, you know, a Catalan or a Lonza or a Resi Farmer, you know, a, a Pfizer Center one, the, the real kind of powerhouses in the CDMO space, because these guys do commercial supply, phase three supply, you know, day in, day out. And actually they're, they're, for the perception in, in that that is that they are a safe pair of hands versus obviously taking the risk on, on a CDMO, a smaller CDMO. So yeah, really, I don't know if that that rings true with your your experience, both on the CDMO side and now on the on the client side. Definitely rings true, but there's a, I guess another factor here, right? The, you know, sponsor of the pharma company can say, hey, we're going to have this much volume, you know, can you please build this out and do X, Y, Z? And then the volume was never reached that. Oh, <laughs> right? yeah. So, Great point, um, yeah. So the CDMO is invested a lot in their infrastructure or expansion. And then, um, you know, the product doesn't come to fruition for whatever reason. So there's a lot of risk here. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's why even collaboration and transparency is everything in these kinds of uh, decisions. And as, as we look into the future, I suppose, a related question, do you, do you envisage in that scenario there any any co-investment and risks sharing type of agreement. So let's say you you know the, the smaller CDMO that you guys work with, 
you really love the culture, you love the leadership team at Tetra and you want to scale with them, but they don't quite have the facilities or the equipment and, you know, but then there's potentially a, a risk or reward thing, which is actually we'll co-invest in the facility, but actually you kind of take some of the risk with the volumes as well. And maybe there's a royalty on, on sales and revenue and all that type of stuff. Have you ever come across that? Is that something you guys think about or is that a bit of a pipe dream at the minute? No, I think that's um, something that's always thought about. I think from my experience on the sales side on the CDMO for CDMOs, this is a topic of discussion quite a bit, right? For co-investing and talking about royalties eventually. So um, I think it is important to be creative in deal structure, you know, for the CMO um, leaders out, business leaders out there, right? To really kind of understand what's going on with the uh, pharma company or biotech company and say, hey, you know, how can we be creative here? And I think co-investment is a really um, cool way to do that. Yeah, that's great. And as we as we look to the future, I'd love your take on, I suppose, I'd, rather than give you the broader, hey, what's going to happen in the future? What are the trends type question? I'd love your take on, you know, if we look at the CDMO market, it's still very fragmented, right? So you've got a real mix of, you know, half, uh, I'd say a dozen really decent sized companies across the world uh, that that dominate a big chunk of, of of the market. But then you also have lots of smaller CDMOs that are dotted all over, uh, particularly in, in Europe and the US. Do you do you feel that that market is, you know, a good ecosystem for a buyer that you've got a nice mix of options in the market? Or do you think you're going to see, I suppose, continued consolidation in that you're going to left, be left with six choices rather than 300 choices or so? I definitely think consolidation is happening or, you know, we're seeing private equity firms, you know, buying four or five CDMOs and then packaging them up together um, and trying to sell them as well. I think that will continue. Um, but one thing I've noticed from, you know, my start at Catalan at 07, 08 to now is, you know, at that time, you know, outsourcing was, from my opinion, hey, we have overflow. We can't do this internally. Like a Pfizer or AbbVie will come and say, no, we can't do this. In today's world, after, you know, whatever, 15 years of or of being in the industry and the CDMO is maturing, they're actually gaining expertise, right, in certain areas. And, you know, clients are going to CDMOs not just for, hey, I can't do this, to, hey, we actually don't have a capability or experience to develop this drug. So, you know, I do think the consolidation is going to happen or continue to happen. But I also think that you're going to have these niche CDMOs that are going to be out there who can do something so innovative and so, um, you know, thinking forward that, you know, can you can develop up to, you know, early phase and then you can take it to a bigger CDMO for scale up and commercial. But it's fascinating to see the maturity of the CDMO industry in the last 10, 15 years. Well, I hope you're you're right. I think I see a similar future in the industry that there'll be continued consolidation, but actually that we end up with an ecosystem that includes obviously the large global CDMOs that have you know all encompassing kind of broad service offering offerings, but those smaller technology led you know specialist CDMOs that can really help clients at those early phases. So absolutely, hey Vishnu, look, I have absolutely loved our conversation today i was really excited to have you on the podcast because you've got such an amazing uh, blend of experience both on both sides of the fence but also that consulting piece as well that makes you such a i suppose a, a rounded expert 
to bring on the call and uh, for a, a relatively young guy you've you've accomplished a great deal in your career so uh, congratulations for that is there anything any closing remarks or anything that you'd like to ask our listener or share with our listener before we conclude thank you for inviting me on the pod i really appreciate this is my first podcast so a little nervous but i i you know really enjoyed the time today uh i do want to kind of um add one thing here closing now i think as the cdmo industry or pharma industry is maturing um we're seeing that you know technology like software it technologies are critical to the business and operations and uh i think for the leaders out there on the life sciences side the tech implementation is extremely critical um, to your business and to your people. So, you know, really take the steps to implement technology to enhance your operations, but be methodical and we are bringing cross-functional teams together internally, bringing the right firms to help implement the technology because it's, it's challenging, right? You need to make sure that folks are engaged, they'll use the technology because you know, ultimately you want the data that you can pull from here to inform decisions on the future investments and resourcing, et cetera. So, you know, continue to invest in technology, people, resources, quality, because I think there's going to be a major payout, um, you know, if you know, successfully things are implemented. Well, it's a great, it's a great point to end uh, today's podcast. And thank you so much. Uh, Vishnu for being a guest I'm sure our listener has learned a great deal from you so thanks for doing this yeah thank you so much hi again thanks for tuning in to today's show really hope you enjoyed the episode for more shows have a look on Spotify Apple Amazon wherever you like to listen and do make sure that you subscribe so the next episode comes direct to your device automatically and please get in touch via our website at Molecule to Market Pod or via LinkedIn or Twitter. We love to hear from you. So if you have a guest that you want to suggest or someone in your organization that you think would make a great guest on Molecule to Market, then please let us know. We'll see you very soon. You're listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector the podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. Molecule to Market is sponsored and funded by Remarketing, an international content, digital and design agency that helps companies get noticed, raise profile and generate leads in life sciences.